0: Hello and welcome to Historia Podcast with me, Jack Pettit, and our resident historian, Paul Fletcher. This is our Cold War origin series, and we are now on episode six. And the question we're going to be looking at is, why were the Marshall Plan and subsequent Comic-Con so important for developing the Cold War? Fletch. Jack. So... Let's start with trying to explain the connection between the Marshall Plan
1: and Comic-Con. Okay, George Marshall. Very interesting character. Most people don't know much about him. Um, He was a general in World War II, a very good one. He was uh, Eisenhower's right-hand man. Eisenhower had been commander-in-chief of Allied armies in Western Europe, and Marshall was his uh, chief of staff. Lots and lots of planning for D-Day, for example. Um, After the war, clearly an able planner um, and and very able in sort of uh, carrying out projects and implementing them. After the war, he he ended up being Secretary of State, in other words, Foreign Secretary uh, for Truman by 1947. And um, by 1947, it's fair to say that the Americans were extremely worried about the situation in Europe. Um, There were a number of big problems they could see. Uh, The need for reconstruction, clearly Europe had been damaged hugely by World War II, particularly Germany after the bombing of it um, during the war. Um, You've got also uh, rationing. Uh, For example, bread was being rationed in Britain. Uh, You've got coal shortages. Uh, And all of these things are going on. the Americans were really concerned that uh, people in Western Europe because of the poverty, because of the economic problems, the social deprivation would end up turning to communism of their own free will. And it is true to say that both within France and within Italy, there were mass popular communist parties. And so what the Americans felt was that if you were going to stop any of their Western allies becoming communist voluntarily, you had to improve the economic situation within Western Europe. So that was the idea. Um, in forty-seven, uh, Marshall was uh, sent a plan for the future of Germany, the sort of economic regeneration of uh, Germany, and that plan was then the basis of. Marshall Plan which would be applied to all of Europe obviously the Marshall Plan was justified by containment and the idea was that the Americans would put out or give out a huge amount of what's what we would call today aid um, and hopefully that aid would therefore spark an economic recovery improve standards of living and that would therefore as we said in the previous uh, podcast that would therefore contain communism. So,
0: aid—we're talking about not not always just physical cash. We're talking about, uh, you know, machines for factories, food,
1: yeah, hospital Yeah, beds. yeah absolutely. I mean, food was a real uh, necessity. Now, of course, uh, Churchill described this plan as one of the greatest acts of human kindness ever. But there was a self-interest in that within there as well, because the Americans realised that if they could therefore reconstruct or re-energise the economies of Western Europe. What they were also therefore doing was creating new markets that the American economy could then sell goods to. So that would be in their own self-interest as well. The figure that was put forward by um, by Marshall within his plan was the uh, quite extraordinary for the day figure of seventeen billion dollars. Seventeen. Seventeen billion dollars. And when Truman put that to Congress, there was a lot of opposition to this, a lot of opposition to this. A lot of people in uh, Congress, that's America's parliament, a lot of people there felt A, it was way too much, you know, by the standard of the day, which America couldn't afford it. And B, there was also growing concerns about the way in which America was becoming involved in the affairs of the wider world. As we saw in the previous uh, podcast, um, you know one of the big consequences of the Truman Doctrine was that America was going to abandon its traditional um, isolationism, the sense of it was on its own. Physically, it had always been very much on its own, and that had reflected in America's views towards the, war, towards the world. In World War I, they had gone involved from 1917, 1918, but after the First World War, America went back to... Know, behind its own walls and concentrate on America. Always, it was always bothered about what was going on in Latin America because that was its back backyard and had been made it quite clear since 1820 that it would put up with nobody, you know, interfering in what was going on in Latin America. That of course will come back again with the Cuban Missile Crisis. But what this was suggesting together with the Truman Doctrine and the and the money from that, this was suggesting that America was actually going to get massively involved in the affairs of Western Europe and was going to stay involved in the affairs of Western Europe because this $17 million, sorry, $17 billion was going to be committed over four years. So for those two reasons, a lot of people in Congress were actually going, no, we're not going to do this. What changed their minds and this links back to one of our other topics, are the events in Prague, in Czechoslovakia, in February 1948, where a coup was carried out by the communists, replacing the coalition government and installing a hardline communist government, which was effectively controlled by Moscow. With that, and the murder of Masaryk, who was the independent non-communist politician in the following month, with that, Congress suddenly thought, yep, yeah, you know what? The Soviet Union and communism really is a threat. So in other words, they bought once more into the idea of containment as being a policy you have to follow. And then this the whole thing was up and running. And what then happened was that you had to find a a, a way of then distributing the money. So people were then invited to bid for the money and those bids were put in. And then you got this thing called the European Report program, the ERP, and the ERP then distributed out the $17 billion over four years.
0: So all of these countries <clears throat> almost apply to have a part of yes. this $17 billion. Yes. And doesn't Great Britain sort of lead the way here, sort of gets well, that, the countries That's very together. interesting. Like, that's
1: where people might people in my parents' generation, who obviously grew up in the Second World War, they always complain that. You know, Germany economically post-war has done so much better than 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 we've done. And they always complain because they said, "Oh, well, you know, the Germans got so much money out of the Americans." If you look at the figures, that's complete nonsense. I think we got something like three billion dollars. We we were the biggest recipients of Marshall Aid. The Germans got West Germany got something like one point four billion dollars. So, you know, we we were the biggest gainers out of this, although we have not done so well as West Germany or Germany competitively since 1945. Um, but yeah, you're right, yeah, That 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 is true. Of course, the thing was though, was that the Americans very cleverly also offered aid to anybody from the Eastern Bloc that wanted to apply. They even offered it, I think they offered it to the Soviet Union.
0: And don't two Eastern European countries- Well, certainly
1: Poland and Czechoslovakia were very, very interested- Express in going an interest. Thing. Well, They yeah. were certainly- And you can see why, because they yeah, needed to, But of course, there was a very clever, almost poison pill within that, because in order, you know, this, this is dollar diplomacy. You know, it's, Churchill was right in a way, but he was wrong in another. You know, it's another example of a country giving away money or giving money, but they're not giving it for nothing, okay? They want something in return for this. And this is known, or was known, or probably still is known as dollar diplomacy. In other words, the Americans were trying to get something out of their aid. And what they said was that you could have aid if you basically committed yourself to adopting capitalism. Now, it doesn't take an intellectual genius to work out why, potentially, this, is, this was a threat to the whole existence of the Soviet bloc because if anybody went down that line and took that aid, but therefore committed itself to capitalism, you were therefore undermining the whole basis of the Eastern bloc and Soviet control. Because of course, Soviet control was based on the fact that you were going to be a communist country. So it's actually a very clever scheme that way.
0: So would you say dollar imperialism?
1: Well, that was the name given to it by Stalin, a rather more scaling or negative way of saying it. So the imperialism in that sense of America's trying to force its values on people, okay? So that's the Soviet version of the phrase dollar diplomacy. Of course, Stalin, when faced with that, inevitably, as we've said in previous podcasts, Stalin reacted by holding Eastern Europe closer. And he formed Comicon. Okay, this organization was going to be mutual economic cooperation and there was going to be closer economic ties between the satellite states and the Soviet Union. And initially it was set up as a sort of trading organization to encourage trade and therefore to uh, offer uh, to those satellite states um, sort of a you know a, 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 an optimistic positive alternative to belonging to Marshall Aid the Marshall Plan. Mm. Fantastic.
0: Brilliant. Okay. Thanks for um, setting us up, setting the scene. Let's ask that important question then. So why were the Marshall Plan and then the subsequent um, Comic-Con so important in developing the Cold War?
1: Well, I think we've got to look at this in terms of, its impact upon Europe itself. So you know what it, and, and no, is no doubt about it that, that European economic recovery after the war is was crucial. Sorry, crucially depended upon Marshall Aid. Okay, Europe by the nineteen fifties was clearly on its way back economically. So therefore, as a result of that. Any, li- any likelihood of communism then taking power voluntarily and a mass movement within Western Europe began clearly to recede. And so what martial aid did was it tied Western Europe even more closely to America, okay? So you therefore now have got by the 1950s, you've got America sort of, if you like, the American umbrella sheltering Western Europe Politically and militarily under NATO and with martial aid economically as well. Likewise, Stalin has responded with Comic-Con and having been initially set up as a uh, response to um, a positive response to, uh, to, to martial aid. Actually, it became then in the 1950s a vehicle for greater control by the Soviet Union of the individual economies of its satellite states. So forcing them all to have five-year plans, forcing them all to industrialize, forcing them all to uh, collectivize their agriculture, just like, you know, had happened in the Soviet Union in the 1930s. And quite often what they were forced to uh, focus on would be to the benefit of the Soviet Union. So therefore, likewise, we have a closer economic con- uh, link to the Soviet Union uh, between those uh, that, that group of people, that group of states rather. And therefore, the impact of these was to yet further divide East and Western Europe and make the Cold War more pronounced.
0: Yeah, sure. So <clears throat> we've got, I suppose, with um, Truman Doctrine and form, very political, whereas Marshall Plan and Comic-Con is very economic. Yes. And we see, therefore, um, Europe and the world, I suppose, divided politically and economically.
1: Yeah. And that process was completed in 1955 with the formation of the Warsaw Pact. And then you've got a, a military, two rival military organizations mm-hmm. as well. I mean, I just would like to add one other thing in the longer term, which is a bit of a sort of, I don't know, a sort of bit of an indirect thing, um, a footnote, um, which is to say that I suppose in the longer term, what it did was to hold back the economic development of all of the Soviet satellite states. And what you therefore found was that because all those countries, their their economic uh, progress was uh, limited, it meant therefore that all the people within those states became increasingly aware of the fact that compared to people in the West, their standard of living was so much worse. And therefore, it made their opposition to Soviet control, okay, and domination not just a sort of political one of you know opposition to communism or, or you know or a nationalist one opposition to Russian control, but it also made it so that Soviet control of the Eastern Bloc was also economically unwelcome as well. Mm. And this therefore is a cause in the long term of continued opposition within the Eastern Bloc, which we've mentioned before, to Soviet control. And that opposition will continue to surface and then be repressed by the Red Army and therefore have a long-term impact on continuing the Cold War.
0: Mm. I suppose that's a long-term cause of the crisis in Berlin in the early 60s where we see, you know, over, over a decade, we see 4 million People fleeing from the Eastern Bloc. But that's that's for another podcast. Thank you so much. Um, you know, brilliant overview, really analytical um, and evaluative on on looking at the reasons of importance. So thanks for listening. Uh, next episode, episode seven, all about a flashpoint in the Cold War, which is, of course, the Berlin crisis of the late 1940s, looking at the blockade and then the subsequent airlift.